Every brand and every product has an interesting story. You just need to dig. Welcome back to another episode of Leading Matters, and I am guilty of it all the time, but I don't care. Uh, every episode's a good one, and it's not because of me, it's because of my guests, um, and this one's exceptional. My guest today is Michaela Vandermost, and she runs a studio-driven uh, agency, creative agency in Boston called Newfangled Studios. Now, I get into a much deeper introduction of how I come to know about Michaela and why I've asked her on the show, so I'm going to keep this part brief. Um Listen, she's passionate about story. She believes purpose and story can be found in every single product, as you heard in the little cold open clip there. And if you don't walk away from the next 30 minutes and have some kind of inspiration to revisit your narrative, to revisit the story you're telling to the marketplace, to look at the way you're engaging your employees with that narrative so they can internalize it and make it their own, well, then I don't know what's going to help you because this is a perfect example of how to do that, why it is important, and how to engage with the creative partners that you invite into your organization to get your story right. So if you're in the car, enjoy the next 30 minutes. Uh, you know, Like it, share it. I'd love a review on this one if you're so inclined to go up to iTunes and give this one a review. Uh, I think you're going to love it. Let me know if you do. So here's my interview with Michaela Vandermost of Newfangled Studios. Michaela Vandermost is a passionate filmmaker and the founder of Boston's Newfangled Studios, which focuses not just on delivering video for clients, but really in crafting a meaningful experience that's delivered with video and motion. And Michaela believes in the power of connecting real stories with brands, and that passion is clearly reflected in not only her work, but also those that work at Newfangled Studio. And... Really, I'm going to explain a little bit more detail how I've come to meet Michaela. But first things first, Michaela, thank you so much for joining me today on Leading Matters. Thanks for having me. Uh, my pleasure. So listen, um, what I'd like to do is, for the benefit of my audience that doesn't know much... Uh, well, actually, let me back up for a second. I'm going to explain to my audience how I've come across uh, you know, your work. I listened to a podcast by Jay Kunzo called Unthinkable. Michaela was on that show not too long ago, and just really it was a fantastic... Uh, she, just what she shared was just really incredible as far as how uh, Newfangled Studios really tries to uh, partner with their clients in a way that produces a higher quality of work, not only for the client, but indeed for those that are the artists and the creatives at Newfangled. It's a very fulfilling cycle. Clients get better work, uh, and the employees are more engaged at Newfangled Studios. So after hearing that, you know, we talk a lot about mission and purpose and values. I'm like, well, I really want to get Michaela on the phone here because, you know, creative agencies sometimes fall into this lulling of, of uh, margin and focusing in only on the margin, which is certainly important as a business, but placing the creativity and the art above that, in my opinion, gains us more value. So anyway, that's the backstory. So Michaela, for the benefit of my audience that maybe hasn't heard that podcast or hasn't come across Newfangled Studios, can you just give us, you know, a little bit of an introduction about who Newfangled Studios is and uh, how and why you've come to that kind of position of insisting on the creative value of, of your work? Sure. So uh, Newfangled, I like to call us a team of passionate storytellers. Uh, we do video production and also motion graphics. Um, and so you can kind of think of us like production company in an ad agency had a baby. So our clients are direct um, to corporate. And also we work with a lot of the Boston 
area ad agencies um, on just the strictly production end of things. And I think that the value that we bring is, one, we're a well-oiled team, so we're not just a bunch of freelancers, or we're not just a one-off, we're going to do the production and then hand it off to another company to do the post and hand it off to another company to do the motion graphics. Um, we are all of the video services under one roof, um, but we're not a jack-of-all-trades in that we're completely specialized in video. Um, so what you get is a really cohesive video product that's not watered down by all the other marketing services in the world that an agency could offer. Um, and so, you know, I think when clients come to us, they're looking for a true partnership. Uh, and that's what we're looking for in a client. And what I mean by that is a client who doesn't just come to us with, here's, here's our storyboards, execute this pic pixel perfect, um, and we don't want to hear your ideas. Mm -hmm. Because we're not just button pushers. Um, and while if a client is insistent that that's what we do, we can, we can certainly do that. <laughs> sure. But I think that the real value that we bring to our clients is our expertise in this area. Um, because we are so focused in video and we are so passionate about it that if you were to bring us your storyboards, we might be able to stand on your shoulders and, and bring those then to the next level and have a really interesting creative back and forth um, that, you know, it's sort of one plus one equals three, your ideas plus our ideas could bring it somewhere, you know, even beyond where you originally thought that it could go. Um, and that's the kind of partnership that we're looking for. And I think that in return, clients get a lot more, you know, bang for their buck if, if they approach it in that way versus, you know, we are a production vendor and, you know, you tell us exactly what to do and we'll do it. Mm -hmm. approach us like a partner and we'll be a real partner back. Um, and, and I think that together we, we can bring the project somewhere where, you know, we never even dreamed it could go originally. Sure. You know, I, I, I love that approach, right? Because I think especially in today's day and age where we're all producing more content that we've all gotten kind of lulled into the, what I call kind of the tyranny of the metrics, right? The metrics, conversion metrics certainly matter, right? But the message seems to matter even more importantly, right? So my question is when you're looking at, say, a storyboard and you and, and Newfangled sees an opportunity to extend the narrative or to uh, you know improve it in some way, shape, or form, you get into, is, is that create, is there... I guess the question is, is there conflict inherent in who owns the story ever? And if there is, how do you resolve that? Well, I think that kind of goes back to the relationship that you have with your client. If sometimes on a first job, they're just nervous and they don't want to, they don't want to trust you because they don't know you well enough. Um, and you just need to prove yourself and maybe offer ideas, but be okay with it if they don't want to take those. But once you've established a relationship, you've done a couple of jobs together, you know, we've, we've been on set together, we've created storyboards together, and you now trust us. Um, I think that the agency doesn't completely own it anymore. I think that they've invested in a partnership with us and that it would probably be a disappointment if, if we didn't, you know, tr somehow try to take it to the next level. So ultimately, who owns the story? I think the brand owns the story. They're the ones, they're the ones you know sponsoring the whole thing and that and that have the ultimate goal behind it um but i do think that there's a responsibility as for the ad agency and also the and the creative shop or the production shop to take it to the next level otherwise we're just button pushers yeah. so 
you know, I don't know about the word ownership, who owns it. I mean, ultimately the client owns it. It's, you know, it's their dollars paying for it. Um, but I think we all have a responsibility to try to add something and make it an additive process. No, no I, I agree with that. I, I like that fact that you maybe called out and maybe it's not so much of a fact of, of ownership, but more collaborating around the ultimate um the ultimate deliverable, right? Do you yep. find, is there a difference between because you said you worked you know direct with the with corporate or sometimes with the ad agencies? Do you find a difference in working with one versus the other? Oh yeah, it's a completely different experience. So when you're working with the ad agency, um, they're going to typically come to the table with the creative already pretty flushed out. They're not, you know, the ad agency only once in a great while, there's a couple of ad agencies that we work with that will come to us with just the business problem in the same way that the corporations will. Um, but typically the agency is going to come to us with, here's the budget, here's the storyboards. Um, um, they don't tell you all that. Yeah, up front, sure, sure. <laughs> they know it. Uh, <laughs> you know, can you put together a director's treatment to see if you're the right fit for this? And then it's really them seeing if, you know, newfangled fits into their existing puzzle. And when we do, it's great. And if we don't, you know, that's okay too. Yeah. Um, with the corporations, typically they're saying, okay, newfangled, we've got this problem. You know, the problem is X, Y, Z. It could be as simple as we need to sell more of this one product. It could be, you know, as complex as some, you know, really political internal issue that they need us to solve without actually ever stating what the problem is because it's too political to say what it is, you know? Um, yeah. and, and then the corporations are usually pretty straightforward with what they have for a budget because they have no clue what the creative is. Yeah. Um, and so the main difference between us working with the agencies and us working with the corporations is that we sort of take on a, an agency role when we're working with the corporations because we have to come up with you know, here are three conceptual options. Okay, you pick that concept. Here are three, you know, design executions. Here's the script. Here's the storyboards. And we really do the whole upfront. Um, whereas with the agencies, it's really just about how do we take this existing idea and budget to the next level within the parameters, you know, that they've already set. Sure. Do you, I'm curious, do you, and maybe you don't, but do you have a preference one over the other or are they just completely two different animals? Um, they're two different animals, and I like them for different reasons. I, I love working with agencies because it, they feel like more of an extension of our team. So if I'm, you know, I'll have another creative director uh, to bounce ideas off of. Or, you know, if we write some copy, we're going to send it to the agency, and their copywriter is going to take a, a look at it. So with the agencies, I feel like sometimes the work um, really gets elevated because they, you know, it's not just my art director looking at it, it's their art director looking at it, you know, so sometimes it gets picked apart, I'll be honest, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't agree with what the other creative director says, but they, they trump me, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of times I feel like, huh, I didn't notice that, but now that you say it, you're right, and with the corporations, uh, I like working with them because I get full creative control, <laughs> so, you know, with one, I get a collaborative partner, and with the other one, you know, I'm typically driving the bus, so um, it's they're nice for different reasons. I think if I always had to drive the bus and I never got to collaborate with other creative shops, my work might get stale. Yeah, you know, that's I was just thinking that as you were talking. I love your uh, your perception of it. That hey, when I'm working with the agency, it's kind of maybe maybe challenges me maybe a little bit to kind of raise my game and learn something new. And look, no matter how long or how long you've been in the career and the workforce, there's always something new to learn. So I really, it's a good reminder for people. I like that you said that. But let me uh, shift gears here for a second because when I mentioned the um, 
podcast you did with Jay Kunzo, Unthinkable, and you talked a lot about finding purpose in product or service, and that when you are able to find the purpose, that the creative uh, aspect of what you're producing becomes a little bit more um, visceral, if you will. So my question is this. Do you think that it's possible to find purpose in any product or service, no matter how bland or boring? Yeah, I do. And I, and I think that, you know, it's great to get an awesome, you know, if you get a job that's about like snowboarding, like that's awesome. And like, who doesn't want a job like <laughs> yeah, that? Right. You know what I mean? But if you get a job that's selling pens, it's so much more of a challenge. And when you figure out what the purpose is there, it, is ju- it really is like, I know I sound like a huge dork, but it's so rewarding when, when you take a product that's, that's not sexy and you find the story. And I, and I do, I truly believe that, that every, every brand and every product has an interesting story. You just need to dig. What would you say, because look, a lot of video is all the rage in 2016. There's so much amateur ability to stream live or record video. What, what would you say to the organization that starts to dabble in a video a little bit and wants to start to find, because look, when they when they get into it, they find very quickly that, wow, if I'm just a talking head, it might maybe it's not that interesting, right? So what would you say to an organization that wants to dabble in video a little bit? Maybe they're not prepared to go invest in creative work, right? But they want to head down that path. So they, in other words, they see down the road that listen, we want to do some really dramatic things. Eventually, we're not ready yet. Is there is there a, uh, is there first steps to get started? Would you suggest any course to take? Not course like literal course, but any path to take that would get them more comfortable with using video to communicate? Sure. Well, I think you know we have a set of core values at Newfangled, and some of them are just about how we treat each other um, around the office and how we treat our clients. But the first one is sort of the moral core of our company and that is story first. Um, and so I think that if you are just dabbling in video, always ask yourself, why are you making a video? Is there a story here? Because if it should be an infographic or an article, don't make a video. <laughs> you know, if it's just going to be a talking head, that should probably just be a blog posting. Sure. Um, unless there's something interesting about that talking head. So when you think about story, is there a story here? Okay, check. Yes. Then the next thing that you need to think about is, is it a visual story? Because I think the problem that a lot of clients get into is that their, their story is not visual. And so it ends up just being a really boring talking head. Um, and you have to ask yourself, why is it, why am I making a video? And if you do decide that for whatever reason that it should be a video, then you need to find a way to make it visual. Um, because if it's not visual, it's going to be boring. And so um, I think that's sort of step two. Like step one is figure out what the story is. And step two is make that story visual. Mm. Um, So, you know, I can give you an example. Yeah, please. Um, One of our clients is Staples. And Staples has a service um, for direct mail. And direct mail, when you think about the service, it's like, it's, what, 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 is, what does it look like visually? It looks like a mailman delivering mail, or it looks like somebody putting stamps in labels. Um, it doesn't, it's not interesting what it looks like, right? So how do you make that into a story? Well, first, you have to think about what is the story? All right, the story is that Staples offers direct mail. Well, that's kind of boring. Um, then you think about the extension of it. Well, what does that actually do for someone? How does that affect someone? Um, 
okay, well, that can affect a small business. Great. Okay, well, still, a small business, like, putting stamps onto, you know, a postcard is not, not interesting. Um, so what we ultimately did in order to make it visual was go and interview a series of very visual businesses. So we went to, like, a farm. We went to uh, a, a, a rock climbing gym. Um, uh, there, was, there was a few more. But they're all, like, very – I think one was, like, a sailing company. Uh-huh. Um, and so they're all very visual stories. So then we took, okay, well now we have a visual story that the client ultimately went with a rock climbing gym. And then we built a story around what it did for the rock climbing gym and what it did for, um, the people who received the mail, which is they joined this community of a rock climbing gym and they made friends and they got fit. And so suddenly this, this staples offers of direct mail service becomes a visual story about community that people might actually want to listen to i love that and that 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 uh is on your site is it not that work yeah okay yeah. I'm, I'm gonna link that up in the show notes but i absolutely love that right because you went from hey direct mail stamps envelopes you know age old you know marketing tactic to changing people's health and lives right and joining a community right. and that, and i i think that's you know and so let me get back to partnership right because that sort of thing when i what i find michaela and i'd love you to confirm or, or correct me if you think i'm wrong here what i find is that especially marketers today, they're very good at the operational elements of marketing. But I find a deficit of this kind of creative thought. In other words, connecting all those dots from A to Z so I can get from the stamp on the direct mail piece to the woman whose uh, life was changed because she got fit and she joined the community that of lifelong friends, right? I find a deficit but able to connect those two. And we often reach out to creative agencies to help us connect those dots. But then we sometimes, then in the marketing side, we, we're in conflict with them because we don't really get the creative process that goes from getting to A to Z. So this gets back to the notion of partnership, right? Like how, what would you suggest for a marketing professional that knows they need that kind of thought and creative, but they just can't figure out how to connect and partner with an agency to get them from point A to Z? I think you just have to find the right partner that, that you trust. It's really, I mean, you might do a couple of projects with people you just don't click with. It's almost like dating, right? Yeah. Um, and I, and, I, and I find that, you know, I'm, you know, I'm typically not the client, but when I am the client, it's because I'm using freelancers or because I'm hiring someone. And, uh, you know, you, you, work, you work with a few video editors before you find the one that just gets you, you know. And so I think that it's, it's, some, it's, it's some measure of trying new people and also trusting people. So if you do a job and it, and it goes okay – do another one, you know, see, see how that one goes and give them a little bit more slack. But I think that if you keep your vendors, well, if you're, if you're considering them vendors and not partner partners and you're keeping them on a short leash, you're really not letting them do what you're paying mm-hmm. them for. Yeah. Um, so of course you're going to have to be careful. This is your brand. You can't just say, okay, because you have a cool website, I'm going to let you do this thing. (laughs) Um, but at least let them present some ideas to you. Like give, give them the ability to do what they do best. And you're, you're going to unleash ideas that you, you, you probably wouldn't have thought of. And if you don't unleash ideas, you wouldn't have thought of them. Then they're not really the right partner for you. They don't get your brand. And so try someone else. I love that, right? If if they can't unleash some new creativity and ideas, then they're not, maybe not the right ones. Do you think, I mean, do you agree with me? Do you think there's a uh, creativity deficit in the marketing profession? Yes, 
because I think that getting a story right takes time and time costs money. And so a lot of times brands will just say, well, we just need it done for this meeting. So just do whatever, or we just, um, we just want to get it done for this price and we don't want to pay another five, $10,000 for different concepts. Um, or someone's afraid of their boss and their boss had a crappy idea and nobody (laughs) wants to tell them that's a crappy idea, (laughs) you know? Um, so all of those things happen a lot. Uh, I think that, that the brands that are really successful understand the value of the creative process and understand the creative process doesn't start with turning the camera on. It starts far before that. Um, and you know, as, as a creative I don't want to call ourselves an agency because we work for agencies, but as a creative boutique, I guess you can call us. Um, we value the clients who value the creative process. And so when you do that, you'll, you'll attract the clients who value the creative process. Um, and that's all you can do. You can, you can explain to people why the creative process is important. Um, we actually are launching a, a new website next week and we have a whole page dedicated to the creative process because I think honestly, there's just sometimes people don't understand what goes into it. And so they don't understand why it costs money. Yeah. Um, and so we have a whole page dedicated to all the things that go into it. Um, and so just, you know, edu- if, if, if you're on the client side, I think educating yourself on why it's important and, and that incremental cost of taking the time to do the pre-production and really do the creative work up front what it's really going to add and what it's going to add is people are actually going to watch the thing you know i do yeah you well, know I, that <laughs> yeah well you know what i love about what you said is that the the cost you know the the cost implications are rarely considered going into it in other words it, it's almost like going backwards right and so in other words i'm sure you receive you know rfps from agencies and and who have a dollar amount but no idea versus an idea where you drive to a dollar amount. I mean, what can I do again as a marketing professional to place the idea first before the dollar amount? Well, I'm going to actually disagree with that. I think that you can get something done on most budgets. Mm -hmm. And what's frustrating as a creative professional is when a client says, well, just tell me what you would do and how much it would cost. And then they get sticker shock when it comes back several hundred thousand dollars. (laughs) Sure. Well, it's like I have, you know, no clue if you're if you're shopping for a TP or a 15 bedroom mansion right now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so you're saying I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you're saying that the budget kind of con- not constraints isn't the right word, but frames the approach yeah. that you guys take. I need to have some concept of what your budget is, or I'm wasting your time and mine by coming up with pie in the sky ideas of what I could do because I don't want to shoot too low and and not make it as cool as I could if I had the funding to make it as cool as I could. But I also sometimes I'm afraid as a creative to really like say, here's what I could do because when the, you look at the price, you're just going to move on to the next person. Um, yeah. So it really, I think it's better for everyone if you just give some kind of ballpark of what your timeline and budget is because, you know, am I making Star Wars or what am I doing here? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. it's, it's really, it's like really shooting in the dark. I, so, you know, I would love for the creative concept to come first and then price it out, but that's not the reality yeah. that we live in. Yep. Um, so I think that if you can give me some parameter that I can come up with a bunch of ideas of how to best use that budget. Mm. Okay, that's good. I'm glad to ask the question, right? Because I think it's kind of a, it's kind of both end, not either or. So that's good. I like that. Let me ask you one more question about story, right? So 
I find again, again, let's let me kind of just focus in on the corporate clients, right? Especially if they're in like a business side of thing, kind of selling to other businesses. I find that the the drama sometimes is difficult to find, and that the story becomes very layered. So early on, when I'm just attracting eyeballs, the story and the drama is one thing. But then, as the further I get into discovery of the service or the product, the drama is uh, it becomes a little bit more nuanced, a little bit more detailed and layered. I mean, is that? Do you think that's a fair, let's say the sales cycle is a little longer. It's not just a transactional sales cycle, but it's a more thoughtful, deliberate, need to educate myself type of sales cycle as the buyer. Does that story change over that over the life of the sales cycle from when you first grab their attention to now when they're making that decision? I mean, I might be putting on the spot here. But I'm just curious if you, if you have a, a notion about that. Well, I think... I'm trying to think of some clients that I have that that's that's the case, and I think what you're referring to is you know typically B two B clients where sure. the transactions you're not buying a, a box of pens, you're yeah. buying a you know half million dollar IT infrastructure or something like that. And yes, I think that we need to understand where the where the audience is and their buying process because. I think step one is just, oh, I see myself, right? So if I'm, to, to go back to the example of, you know, a half million dollar IT purchase, I just need to see an IT person that looks like me on the screen or see that this company understands what my challenges are. I, I'm, I'm probably not going to buy it after that, but at least they're in my brain as someone who gets me. Um, once I know that they get me, mm-hmm. then I can move on to understanding the specific solutions that they have to my problems um, and then become more and more specific. So I think the sexiest video needs to be the introduction video, which is really high level and really, hey, we get who you are. Um, we get what your problems are. So, you know, maybe maybe take a look at us. And that's the end, you know. And then the next video is hey, this specific problem might be able to be fixed with this specific uh, product, you know, and then the next video is like really diving in, like here's how you use the specific product and here's exactly how you install this specific product. So you definitely don't want to jump if someone's meeting you for the first time, like you don't, you know, introduce them to your mom and dad. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So I I think it's, you know, I I use the analogy of dating um, a lot with these partnerships because it really is like you're going to spend so much time with this brand um, if you're working with them and understand them and understand the nuances, like you said. Mm -hmm. And it does go in stages um, with both your partnership and the actual product of who you're talking to. Yeah, no, it's look. I think it's a pertinent analogy, right? Because the identity of who we are is impacted so greatly by work uh, such as a newfangle or produce. So I, I appreciate the analogy, Michaela. Let me ask you one more question before I let you go here. And I want to talk a little bit about um, whether or not you think that uh, video and really you know putting a story together with motion and audio the way that you do could actually help our employees to internalize the idea. Like let's let's look at the Staples example that you mentioned earlier. You know, uh, four layers down in Staples corporate somewhere, the representative might not have a clue that the direct mail service actually changes lives. Do you think that a good solid video story could help us improve the level of engagement that we get from our employees? Absolutely. And that is actually something that we do all the time. Um, so let's take, for example, if if a business has been around for, you know, 50 years and they want to kind of change the face of who they are. You can't change who you are unless your employees are on board. Um, so we make a lot of videos actually for really, um, what's, what's the word, 
<laughs> uh, brands that are steeped in history, let's say. Uh, That's very, you know, very polite way to put it. Uh, yeah, yes, really brands that are steeped, <laughs> steeped in history that may want to change something about themselves. And the you know management wants to change it, but the, you, you've got to get everybody you know down all the way down to the trenches engaged. A lot of times we make videos that are about the employees and they are, we interview the employees about who they are, who they want to be. And and we get those people that are on camera on board and we do it from every level of the company. So let's say it's a retail brand from the people walking, working in the retail stores to the corporate office, all the way up to management. And everybody in the video is saying the same message and they might have uh, a meeting or they may push that email out in an email blast um, to say, Hey, this is who we are. And it's like, this is who we are. Right. You know, and everyone, you know, starts to nod their heads and agree. Yeah, this is who we are. Um, so that's, that's one way that's really direct. And we do that. I mean, that's, that's something we do for our clients constantly. Um, because you've got to get everybody on the same page with who you are, or that's, that's just what your management says you are. I won't ultimately be who you are. Um, and then the other way that we do that, um, we work a lot with HR departments actually, so we work with Google and Bank of America, um, their HR departments to explain um, the benefits. So what will happen is, let's say, for example, the laws change on the way taxes are collected, right? It's not Google's fault that we're taxing you more, but <laughs> yeah. people are getting mad and sure. they're getting, you know, they're feeling like, hey, you know, why, why did my paycheck go down? And they're, they're feeling, you know, so... We do also a lot of motion graphic explainer videos about why things are the way that they are that go out to employees of large corporations because it would just simply cost too much to call each of them or to have, you know, a mass meeting where we explained all of this. And so we, you know, we can release things in in bite-sized pieces of information that are kind of fun to look at because they're motion graphic and get everybody on the same page. So... Uh, yeah, I think that it's it's a fun way and it's also a really cost-effective way to get your employees engaged and on the same page um, and to see that management cares that they understand, you know, what's going on and that they, they, that they are on board as well with who the company is. That's great. I, I really appreciate that too because I think that, look, I've been in some of the situations uh, where – you know, the, the company looks like it might be uh, a company that was around during the, the Mad Men age, you know, so trying to transform that culture and that uh, the personality, the identity internally is a challenge. I appreciate that story. So listen, we've been speaking with Michaela Vandermost, and again, she is the founder of Boston's Newfangled Studios, a very passionate filmmaking group that cares incredibly about the story and the narrative that uh, they produce in a way that's going to help you do what you and your company is trying to achieve. And I think you'll agree with me that if you, um, you know, kind of engage Newfangled, you'll get much more than just a, a vendor. You'll get a partner in your in your journey and a collaborative partner at that. So, Michaela, I can't thank you enough. You know, and I was listening to Jay's podcast again, Unthinkable. I'll put that up on the show notes so you can listen to Michaela there. There were so many questions I had. Like, I want to dive into this in a lot more detail, you know, so that's why I had you on. So, thank you for being so gracious and joining me today on Living Matters. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. 